0: no big deal. It's because it's a place that the enemy comes and challenges the goodness and the nature of our God. We've all been in that place. How could a good God, right, we believe that he's good, right? You're like, I don't know, pastor, finish your sermon and we'll figure it out. Like, we know that he's good, but we, we say, and, 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 and people question the Lord, and they question his Character, and we, sometimes it's just used as, as an excuse to run away, but sometimes there's a legit suffering going on, and we say, how can a good God allow for suffering? Because suffering stinks. Nobody wants to do it. Most of us, in fact, would do almost anything we could to avoid suffering. In fact, some of us spend a lot of our lives managing running from suffering. We ignore it. We run away from it, we medicate it, we do whatever we possibly can to alleviate whatever suffering is going on in our lives. Others will embrace it stoically, right? And we look at them as kind of heroes, those are the, those are the it is what it is kind of people, right? And then there's other people, sorry, and, and when we do that though, when we embrace suffering stoically, oftentimes it prevents us from finding the relief that God has given us in suffering. That's why it is what it is is such a dangerous statement. Am I stepping on anybody's toes? That that phrase has come into our language powerfully in the last maybe, what, three, four years? It is what it is. It is what it is. I want you to stop and think the next time you say it is what it is. Is it really what it is? Or do you serve a God that could transform and change it? Not according to your plan and purpose, but is it really what it is? Because oftentimes it isn't what it is, it's only what we perceive it to be. This isn't a psychology message, but let's stop and recognize that the language that we use sometimes boxes God out from our lives. Because if it is what it is, then why would we stop to ask God to change it? Others will embrace suffering as an identity. I must deserve this. I deserve some kind of punishment from God or from the universe. Maybe some of us like the suffering that sympathy gets us. I was that kid growing up. I loved having crutches, I always wanted to break something so I could have a cast. Mostly because when my brother broke his arm, people started bringing him brownies and cards with money in it and all kinds of stuff. I'm like, the kid broke his arm because he did it to himself. <laughs> I remember one time it was, um, it was Easter and we decided, I, I, I don't know if this was like a growing pain or I had you know, done something to my knee, but I woke up with just an intense pain in my knee for about a week. And I was so excited that like, I got to have crutches, but my mom knew of my my desire to have medical things. And so she was like, No, you can't have crutches. And I think we walked like the entire Bird Island pier that day, like three miles or something. And I had to like limp it along because she really didn't believe that I was in pain. In fact, I wanted medical things so much that my mom took me to the eye doctor and didn't believe that I couldn't read the sign. Like the eye doctor left and she's like, Josh, you know, they can tell if you're lying. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I'm not lying. I really can't see. But some of us, we embrace suffering as an identity because we like what it gets us. We don't see God setting us free, so we assume that somehow this type of suffering that we're under is God's will for our lives. The truth is this, all of these approaches don't give us Scripture's approach to suffering. And the problem with that is is this, if we don't talk about suffering, what we get is a watered-down gospel of unicorns and rainbows and cotton candy. How many of you, that was the gospel you heard? Come to Jesus and everything will be all right. Now, see, we say, we, don't raise your hand yet, because sometimes we say that's the gospel we heard, but that wasn't the gospel we heard, that's just how we heard it, Right? Or it wasn't how we heard it, and it wasn't how we started. Like, we knew that there was something about following Jesus that wouldn't be unicorns, rainbows, and cotton candy all the time. But somehow, in the midst of our walk with God, we transitioned from coming and surrendering everything that we have for Jesus to like, hey, Jesus needs to do stuff for me. And the truth is, suffering brings us face-to-face with the, the reality that that's not the world that we live in. The problem... With that approach is that we come into conflict with reality, and when we suffer or we see other people suffer, we find ourselves floundering. So this morning, I want to look at what Scripture, I want us to look at what Scripture has to say about suffering and get a framework around it that will be helpful for the kingdom to be built in our lives and the lives of those around us. How many of you are willing to to suffer through a message like this so that we can figure it out? Look at this. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verses 8 and 9 says this, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me. This is Paul writing to young Timothy. It's his second letter to Timothy. He's encouraging him as a leader. He's saying, listen, if you're going to walk this out, if you're going to, he's already sent him to difficult places. He's already had to deal with people that were hard to lead. He's already had to deal with difficult spiritual times in the places that he's been sent. And Paul's writing him a letter of encouragement, and he says, listen, don't be ashamed for what God's doing in you, don't be ashamed for what God's doing in the earth, don't be ashamed for what God's doing in me, even though it results in prison. See, Paul wasn't telling him to shy away from anything, but he says this, with the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, being ready to suffer how many of you want to be ready to suffer when you walk out of here? Hey, how was church this morning? Great! Pastor taught us the word of God on how to be ready to suffer. Well, I'm not asking that we're a bunch of spiritual eors that walk out going, well, God, I'm ready to suffer for you. It is what it is, not much of a good God, but I'll take what I can get. We're going to talk about the, the privilege that we have to suffer For the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. And he did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. To show his grace through Jesus Christ. Here's some truths about suffering. First is this, everyone suffers. Suffering cannot be avoided. You either have suffered, are suffering, or will suffer. It's part of the, human, the current human condition. But we would be tempted in knowing that to say, well, then it must be from God. Suffering is not from our Father. It's the result and the effect of sin in our world and in our lives. It's so important that we understand that. Suffering is not from our Father. It comes from the effect of sin in the world in general and in our lives. We need to be careful as we talk about suffering not to attribute these things to him. All suffering, here's another truth, is not equal. Do you ever have a friend that every time you share something that's going on in your life, they always have something worse? Like you're having car problems. Oh, you don't know what car problems are. You're talking, like, they're they're, they're those kind of people, they're like five cubicles down, and you don't think they're listening, but like, you're telling another coworker about a relationship that's going wrong, and they're like, oh, I got a relationship that went wrong. You know what I'm talking about? The truth is this, though, all suffering is not equal, and we cannot take on the victim mentality. So let's talk about four kinds of suffering, because I think it'll help us understand. The first kind is perceived suffering. It's not suffering that's real suffering, but it has real effects in our lives. So don't get offended with me or with anybody else when they're like, you're not really suffering. What do I mean by perceived suffering? Most of what we have considered over the last six months as suffering is not real suffering. How many meals have we actually missed? When did we not have running water? Or electricity? Or a, a, a comfortable place to sleep at night? When were our bodies actually broken down to the place where we just called out to God and said, God, please just take me home? When were we imprisoned? When were we in I get it. Like, the government's given restrictions lately. When were we imprisoned for worshiping? When was the last time the government came into one of our meetings and said, you all are going to jail tonight unless you denounce your God? Like there's perceived suffering, so like when our coffee isn't ready in enough time at Tim Hortons, or the Tim Hortons we plan on going to has a line that's too long and we just can't spare the time, that's not suffering. But we act like it, don't we? The problem is it's perceived suffering, but here's the thing, it has real effects in our lives. When we perceive it as suffering, even if it's not, it still affects our lives in incredible ways. Have you ever been like, oh my goodness, I don't have my coffee, God, are you real? Like, we don't admit that, but we really do think that sometimes, don't we? We start acting like somehow our day has been thrown off by the, the enemy is coming after me today, man. I got to the fridge and all my creamer was gone. I had to use powdered creamer. What kind of world is this? So there's perceived suffering that's not real suffering. Then there's... Self-inflicted suffering. We do stupid stuff. And it invites the reality of consequences into our lives. If you think that you have a hard time in relationships, sometimes it's time to look at yourself and say, what are you doing to cause that problem? Well, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat worms. Maybe you're just a worm eater. And stop offering those worms to everybody else, right? Or it's, 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 it's suffering that's brought on by sin in our lives, or maybe ignorance, right? We're suffering in it because we just don't know that there's anything better. That's an effect of sin. The enemy has kept, kept us ignorant to the life that we could have in God. He's kept generations of people, whole nations of people, bound in ignorance of what God could do in them, and they're suffering because of it. Or maybe there's suffering, just self-inflicted suffering, just simply from disobedience. I knew better, I knew what God was asking me to do, and I just didn't want to do it, and now I'm living in the reality of my choices. It's self-inflicted suffering. And then there's just broken world suffering. We live in a sinful world. Nobody asked for this disease to come into their lives. Nobody asked to lose a loved one in an accident. Nobody asked to lose their job and to not have the things that they need to provide for their family. Nobody asked to suffer with a mental illness. It's just the effects of sin in our world. Not something that we've invited into our lives. Not something that we're actually ignorant about. It's just just the effects of sin that we're living with. It's suffering. And then there's another type of suffering. It's suffering for the gospel. 2 Timothy 2, 8-10 says this, Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news that I preach. Isn't that the most simple gospel? Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. Boom. I don't know, it just hit me maybe more than it hit you. But here's what he says. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering. And I've been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be changed, so I'm willing to endure anything if it brings salvation and eternal glory to Jesus Christ, those who God has chosen. It's not a gospel of suffering. There's a distinction here. Some of us will look at this, well, the gospel is one of suffering. It's not good news that you will suffer. Right? We, that's already been proclaimed over our lives, right? How many of you know that's already been, the enemy has already proclaimed suffering over your life? Right? So this isn't a gospel of, of suffering. It's not, hey, God, I got some great news. When you come to Jesus, your life is going to stink. You're going to be in spiritual warfare. He's coming after your family. It's not a gospel of suffering, but it, it, it's, a, it's suffering for the gospel. It's that, 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 that a go- the gospel that we've been given could bring suffering into your lives because of the sinful response of this world to the truth that you now hold dear. When we believe that Jesus Christ, the the son of David, a descendant of David, King David, was raised from the dead and we live our lives with that reality right in front of us, it will bring conflict in our lives. And it will oftentimes cause suffering because of the sinful response of the world or people around us to to the gospel. Almost nowhere in the world are people able to choose to follow Jesus and avoid suffering. It's a very unique American experience for you to come into maybe a church like this and hear the good news that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, rose from the dead and that matters to you and have it explained to you and being able to say, okay, I'll put my faith and my trust in Jesus and walk out those doors and not have your life have to radically shift, not have to lose your friends and your family and your business associates and your livelihood. Almost nowhere in the world can people choose to believe in the gospel, and it doesn't bring suffering immediately to their lives like it does for us. And so it's a convenient choice for us, but not for most people. Right now, literally, we have a partner for the gospel in an Asian country. Most of you would know his name. I don't want to mention it because people are watching this all over the world. We have a partner in the gospel who's serving in an Asian country. Not serving, this is where he's from. And the gospel's gone out incredibly powerfully, like nowhere else in the world, in this nation. And he's suffering the loss of his his livelihood and what he uses to send the gospel out and to care for people, for widows and orphans and poor, because somebody opposed to the gospel came and poisoned his fish pond. It's a $20,000 loss. That's suffering for the gospel. We don't understand what that looks like. And I'm not using it just as an illustration. I'm using it because if you want to partner with us, we've sent some relief already, but if you want to partner with us to see the gospel go forth, to basically like stick it to the enemy, then you're welcome to do that. Just put a note in there, fish project or whatever. We'll, we'll get it to them. Or if you want to talk to me personally, maybe God's put it on your heart to do something about it. But the truth is this, there is suffering for the gospel. And it's important that we don't equate one kind of suffering with another. Right? Our, our perceived suffering is not the same as this partner's suffering, actual suffering. Suffering for the gospel is not the same as suffering because you're a jerk. Suffering for the gospel is not the same as suffering because we've made poor choices in our lives. In whatever area, in our health, in our relationships, it's it's just, we can't can't call them the same thing. Now, they do have the same type of mental anguish in our lives, right? They do cause us to, to come to these places where we're like, God, are you really good? But the truth is this, they're not the same. How about some good news? God calls us to be ready to suffer, but here's the truth. Jesus was ready to suffer for us. First Peter four one says this. So then, Christ, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have been have suffered physically for Christ, you are finished with sin. Jesus suffered willingly and was ready to suffer for you and I. In fact, that's what that's what happened in the garden. When he, he he went through that process of, Father, if this cup could be taken from me, please let it be taken. And what was his response? He became ready to suffer. In fact, he comes out of that experience and, and the, the soldiers come to arrest him. And he's with his disciples. And, and Peter's like, no, this can't happen. And so he pulls his sword out and he cuts the ear off one of the servants. And he's like, no, we're going to stop this from happening. And what does Jesus say to Peter. Jesus says this to Peter, "Put your sword back into, his she- into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering my Father has given me?" Jesus was willing to suffer for the gospel. He was willing to suffer so that you and I could be set free. Jesus' suffering was unique. He emptied the cup of suffering. He, he gave himself and suffered in such a way that you and I can't. You can't suffer for me like Jesus did, because you're just not that good. I can't suffer for you like Jesus did, because I'm just, I'm just not that righteous. But Jesus, the perfect, righteous sacrifice, gave himself willingly to suffer. This is gospel. This is good news, so that you and I, when we drink of that cup, didn't have to empty it. He emptied the cup of suffering on our behalf, and he made himself ready to do it. And so when we see this, we understand that suffering should not be avoided, and it takes on new meaning when we are indeed ready. And I love this because those who have suffered physically for Christ have finished with sin. How many of you are ready to be done with some sin in your life? Like you just, you know. I've heard from many, many people recently. We just, I, we just need a time where we can come together and confess. Men are specifically are struggling with so much stuff. How about we just be done with sin? And we can be finished with sin. How many of you want to be finished with a besetting sin in your life? There is power to do that through the suffering that Jesus made ready for you and I and as we join in his suffering. Because suffering makes us ready for kingdom life. 2 Timothy 2, 3-7 says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier for Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying and the Lord will help you understand these things. Paul says, Timothy, get ready to suffer with, with me like a good soldier for Christ. What does suffering do when it's suffering for the gospel? It teaches us what matters. It gets us ready for kingdom life. We don't take kids off the street and send them into war without training. And training, basic training, is suffering. Everybody who's experienced it says, How many, how many of you have gone through basic training? Was it, a, was it a walk in the park? Were you like, bring it on, drill instructor, I'm here and I'm ready. This is going to be a walk in the park. You wouldn't say that. Why? Because then they would make it not a walk in the park. King, suffering for the gospel makes us ready. It, pre, it prepares our hearts. It teaches us that we ought to align our lives with the, with the truth of Christ. And we're done with sin. When we are done with sin, we become ready for kingdom life. Suffering makes us ready for ministry. How many of you ever dreamed of doing incredible ministry for the Lord? I'm I'm not talking about like getting up on stage and like, you know, doing the pastor thing or the famous preacher thing. Maybe that's a dream of yours. Maybe it's just like you want to you want to see the kingdom come into your family's life. Like you have dreams of like sitting down at a Thanksgiving table and everybody, all 25 people who used to be the most annoying people to be with in your life are still a little bit annoying, but every one of them is surrendered to Jesus. Like you dream about that, right? Radical transformation, people whose lives are being destroyed by sin, people who are literally suffering all of a sudden find relief in coming to Christ and the freedom that it brings. That's your dream. Well, guess what? Suffering makes us ready for that type of ministry. 2 Corinthians 1, four through 4-7 says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. The more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we're weighed down in our troubles, it is for your comfort and your salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer we are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in the comfort that God gives. Suffering invites the comfort of God. We we don't think that way, right? We'll do everything to avoid suffering for the gospel. We don't open our mouths when we ought to. We don't live the way God has called us to live. We value other things. We blend into our society because we want to avoid the discomfort of suffering. But the truth is this, the comfort that comes from God, not from the world, not from man's accolades, the comfort that comes from God comes as we suffer for the gospel. So the thing that we actually really want comes through the avenue we don't want it from. Suffering invites the comfort of God. God comforts us here and now, see it's not just like some pie in the sky, he's coming someday and everything will be good. It is now that he gives us comfort by his Holy Spirit. How many of you want the presence of God like never before? What is, what is Holy Spirit known as? The comforter. Suffering makes us ready for ministry and suffering makes us ready to share. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. When we suffer, we share in in some ways with the death of Jesus, not the full emptying of the cup, but we share in it. But we also share in the life of God. It's a testimony of what God is doing in us. Suffering makes us ready for glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, And will last forever. Some people preach that God will not share his glory. And there's some nuance to this. But here's the truth. God wants to give you glory. He is willing to share his glory with you. That's what the New Testament is about. That's what a life in Jesus Christ is about. And when we. Suffer, it produces for us what? A glory that far outweighs our present trouble. And it's a glory that lasts forever. And suffering makes us ready for forever. 2 Corinthians 4.18, the very next verse. So we do not look at the trouble we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever. Suffering says something's wrong, right? When you're in pain physically, what does that mean? Something's wrong. Maybe this is for somebody. If you are in pain, it's okay to go see a doctor. Something's wrong, right? But what suffering does in that pain is it allows us to look deeper. Can't ignore it, can't run away from it. When we experience suffering, real suffering for the gospel, or even just some of that temporary fake suffering, right? I'm glad for this season we've been through of perceived suffering because it lets us know what's important and what's real. It, it takes our heart's focus off the things that we find comfort in that are not from the Lord and puts them on the Lord. It takes us off of temporary things and onto permanent things, and it gets us ready for forever. It literally lifts our perspective. It allows God to be the lifter of our head by knowing what to live for. Now here's the, here's the best news of all of this. Jesus is making ready a time of no suffering. Jesus is literally preparing a place for you and I that is a place of no suffering. Currently, right now, Revelation 21 verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. The Jesus that we serve, who right now is with us in the midst of our suffering, who calls us to suffering for the gospel like he did, is actively building right now and preparing a new heaven and a new earth for you and I so that he can come and do away with suffering from ever, forever. And all this is possible because of his presence. Revelation 21.3 And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. So maybe we can, like Paul, take on a new attitude. Second Timothy 1.12 He's saying, that's why I'm suffering. That's why I'm now in prison. He was writing this book about suffering from prison. But I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I'm sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Listen, the kingdom is here now. He is here to alleviate some suffering now. But the kingdom is also not yet. He's coming back to finish it. That's the God that we serve. That's the good God that meets us in the midst of our suffering and suffers for us to bring us to His glory. Just you close your eyes this morning. Ready to suffer just simply means this: that we can trust the Lord with everything that we've entrusted to him. That's how we prepare to suffer. We decide, God, you are good enough for me to give it to you and trust you with it. Whether it's dealing with the sin in my life, whether it's dealing with the perceived suffering in my life, or whether it's actually walking me through, by your presence, suffering for the gospel. Whatever it is, God, I am here, and I want you to make me ready. And if you're in that place this morning, I just want to invite you right now to respond to the Lord in some way. Maybe it's by raising your hands to him right now and just saying, God, yes, I'm ready. Maybe it's by standing or getting on your knees right now before him. Somehow, some, some way, physically respond to say, God, I'm ready. See, it's not enough to just sit there and go, okay, I'm ready. But, but as, as people, as, as human beings, he's called us to allow that process to happen in our lives, and to be actually ready. So if you want to say, God, I I want that. I want to be ready. I want you to walk me through that. I want to live ready like you are. I want to respond to the call to live my life ready for suffering and whatever that looks like, that your glory might be displayed. Somehow right now, respond to the Lord. God, this is a holy moment. That you've called us to. Make us ready. Make us ready that your glory, Jesus, might be seen in your people. Make us ready that we could accurately perceive and embrace true suffering and in every other circumstance not ascribe suffering to you. God, make us finished with sin. Fill us with your spirit. Bring the comfort that only you can give as you make us ready. In the name of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in him, there's gonna be some people in the back on your way out just to your, to your left. Stop and talk to them. Say, I wanna, I wanna put my faith in Jesus. I wanna start that journey with him. I wanna surrender my life to him. I wanna respond to the good news. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead, suffered on my behalf. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you.